Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season five, episode 10 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Fifty Shades of Grayson. As I predicted last week, the Fifty Shades are all bad, except he saved one girl's life who then died anyway because of him. So kind of a net zero there. So pretty net zero on the good front for Grayson Gilbert. (laughs) And I should say, this episode marks the end of our Augustine chapter. Okay, interesting. I know, that was quick, huh? Yeah, I guess they just needed the intro, and now we've got Catherine to deal with. I'll start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. Damon realizes Elena is in danger and enlists Stefan's help to find her. The brothers pay a visit to Aaron, and Damon shocks Stefan by revealing his firsthand knowledge of Aaron's family. In an attempt to stop Damon, Dr. West unleashes his secret weapon, forcing Damon to deal with a part of his past he thought was gone forever, as well as the consequences of his decades-long plan for revenge. Meanwhile, Elena is horrified by Dr. West's confessions about the dark history of Whitmore College and his own ultimate goal. Finally, a frantic Catherine turns to Matt for help until she realizes that Nadia may be the only one who can solve her problem. Mother-daughter bonding yet again. Mother-daughter goals. Not really. (laughs) Not really at all. (laughs) We start the episode in the Whitmore College cells, which are supposed to be impenetrable, but they do not prove to be such. Yeah. Damon is punching the wall. And at first it kind of seems like he's trying to like break through the wall, which there are worse plans. Yeah. I mean, you haven't been able to get out through the bars, so you might as well try the wall. And, you know, he's making cracks in it, so it's looking not the worst for him. And then he breaks a rock off and we see his actual plan. We have a flashback to when Aaron was fumbling with the gun last episode and he ended up dropping a bullet, which he then didn't pick up because Aaron, if he's anything, is a dumbass. Yeah, he's not a he's not one to think ahead. And to be fair, he doesn't have enough information to really accurately think ahead anyway, but he's not our best. Let's just say he didn't get an academic scholarship to Whitmore. (laughs) Yeah, let's say that last name did the heavy lifting. Exactly. (laughs) Damon grabs the bullet from the cell. He stretches for it, but he does get it. He puts it in the keyhole of the cell and then hits it with the rock so that the bullet, you know, goes off or whatever bullets do. Then he kicks the cell and the door just opens. Very slay Damon. Got out of there. Quick work of it. I know. Good plan. Quickly. Very nicely done. Then we go over to the Salvatore house and we're in Stefan's room. There's a healed boot on the floor. So we know what's going on. Catherine wakes up in Stefan's bed and she is just living. She's smiling. She's like, this is a whole new day for me. She's like, I cannot believe I was going to kill myself when I was like two days away from this, man. She's just basking in it. She like looks at him sleeping. She's going to reach for him to like touch him. And then she can't help but notice she has a bunch of gray hair that's falling out of her head. So that's back. (laughs) So she's like, Oh my God. And she says that out loud, which then wakes Stefan up and she does not want Stefan to see her gray hair. So he says, oh, hey. And she covers herself in a blanket and says, don't turn around. Stefan, meanwhile, does turn around. Because obviously when someone says don't turn around, you're like, why? And you turn around. Yeah. And she's just, her whole body is covered in a blanket. She looks like a little ghost. And he says, what are you doing? And she says, just don't turn around. She starts to leave and he's like, oh, where are you going? And she said, everything's fine. Go go back to bed. And then she like runs into a couple walls on the way out. Nina does a little physical comedy for us. Yeah, she's like picking up all her clothes on the way out. So she obviously loses track of the, the path to the door. Stefan laughs a little bit, but he does go back to bed because he's like, that's not really my business. He's like, okay. Downstairs, Catherine is all dressed up in athleisure. She's put her 
huge amount of hair in a baseball cap. Big bun sticking out. There's no way that fit through the hole in the baseball cap. But it's a look. It's a look. She runs into Damon as he's returning home. And they, like, look at each other. And she's like, what the hell happened to you? And he says, ditto. Because <laughs> they both look worse for wear. And then Damon says, oh, Elena's not here by any chance, is she? Catherine says, I haven't seen her. Not that I've been looking. And Damon's like, okay, I wasn't really here to see you anyway. He says, hey, Steph, you awake? He's calling out to Stefan. And Catherine says, you know, he hasn't seen her either. I know because we were together all night. She really wants to let him know. She wants to tell anyone. And she's really happy Damon's the one to show up to tell. That was one of her top two to tell. Second only to Elena, of course. Damon says, look, I've had a really crappy couple of days. So if you're implying what I think you're implying. And she says, oh, what were you thinking? That our hot naked bodies collided in one unforgettable night of passion. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to burf. Yeah, Damon's like, okay, that is what I was thinking. And I really didn't want you to confirm it. So thanks for that. I was thinking that, but I wish you didn't say it like that. I wasn't thinking those words. I wouldn't have used the word collided, but here we are. Catherine says, great, my work here is done. Toodaloo. And she leaves. She's got places to be. Then we go over to the Augustine lab slash Grayson Gilbert's office. We don't know it's his office yet, but that's where we are. Elena comes to. She sees lights. She sees needles. She sees some stairs and she briefly remembers like a kid giggling and a ball coming down the stairs. That kid is her. We'll revisit that later. Yeah. When it shows that it is like, okay, so this is a memory, most likely or a hallucination, mm-hmm. but it's probably a hallucination combo memory. Yeah. Wes is there, of course, with his trusty tape recorder. Because this man will shut his goddamn mouth. He's got things to say. He says, subject 83182 appears conscious. And I know this is not what I should be hopping on, but how is he picking these numbers? (laughs) Because he went from (laughs) 62547 to 83182, and to our knowledge, he hasn't had another test subject between them. And, you know, not to get into the scientific labeling, but it is productive to have, like, a numbering scheme that makes sense so other people can follow up on the work because you guys have kept this going for so long. At this point, you're just saying, oh, this number means this person. Like, how about the date that you abducted them? Yeah. Like, (laughs) it's literally the same amount of numbers. Well, clearly their research is not, like, stored in a way that is useful because if it was, they would realize that they're just rediscovering that vampire blood heals humans. <laughs> yeah, all the findings are like vampire blood heals humans. Oh, and it heals this vampire after we tortured it more than last time. Yeah, it heals them. Like, yeah, vampires heal. That's the, that you got it. That's the entire thesis of 60 years of research, guys. And, you know, we'll get into this at the beginning of the episode. At least Wes is doing something different. Yeah, at least Wes, like, has some sort of bigger idea. He's doing it for what he perceives to be the good of society, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And, you know, even vampire blood healing, good of society. We saw Meredith Fell do that. She saved plenty of people with it. But at a certain point, you don't need any more research on it. Yeah, at a certain point, the torture is just for torture's sake. Because it's not even like, how is it healing them? It's like, did it heal this also? And the answer is always yes. Yeah. So you're just you're just hurting people. Elena says, oh, where am I? And Wes says, why? Look familiar? Wes, keep that shit locked down. I mean, I, I mean, who's she going to tell? Out, but <laughs> he's like too excited to hold this over her. He, he is. He, he wants to be recognized for his smartness. We know this about yeah. him. Yeah, because he thinks he's like the smartest person on earth. She sees some machine and she says, what is that thing? What are you doing to me? He returns to his tape recorder. He says, 83182, resume prep for blood dialysis. 
Count from 10. He puts some mask on her to knock her out. He starts counting back and she falls asleep. And we can assume from that that the machine is a dialysis pump, which just to get into the, this isn't actually that interesting, but that's a pretty old looking dialysis pump. So they've been doing this for some time. That is interesting. I didn't, so number one, I don't know what dialysis is. Dialysis essentially cleans the blood. Okay. So it's for people who are in kidney failure. They go in and they have to get their blood cleaned by the machine because their kidneys aren't doing it for them. Okay. I knew that kidney- So it's essentially like switching out dirty blood with clean blood. So it's essentially changing blood. Okay. Gotcha. You know, I think not everyone probably knows what dialysis is. And you know what? Do you need to know it to get through this episode? No. But it does enhance it, I think. So thank you for your science expertise, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. The one thing you bring to this show. (laughs) The one thing. (laughs) And I only have it like half the time. And with all that science expertise, did I guess what he was doing? No. But hey, everyone has blind spots. But to be fair, he's not being accurate. This is not a completely scientific storyline, let's be honest. It's got scientific pieces, but for the most part, it's dumb. (laughs) Yeah. We go back over to the Salvatore house. Damon comes to Stefan's room and Stefan says, oh, where the hell have you been? Because, you know, Stefan's been dealing with PTSD. He hasn't heard a peep from his brother. His brother does have a good excuse, though. Damon says, you know, being held against my will, shot in the head. Now I can't find Elena. By the way, how was your evening? Anything out of the ordinary happen? It's like, Damon, you just moved through a whole lot of stuff. You can't expect him to answer that question when you brought all that other stuff to his attention. Stefan doesn't even like, I don't think he's even trying to avoid that question, but because there's other stuff he can latch on to. But it is also a plus that he does get to avoid that question. Yeah. He says, what do you mean you can't find Elena? And Damon says, I mean, she's not picking up her phone, she's not at her dorm, and she's not anywhere in this house, which leads me to believe that Dr. Creepy Kendall has her somewhere. Stefan says, are you talking about the Whitmore biology teacher? Because he's behind on this storyline. Yeah, he hasn't been following this. He's been dealing with his own shit. Yeah. Damon says, yeah, the one that operates on vampires during business hours, that one. And it's like, how would Stefan know that? Stefan's like, I only know of one. Is it the one I know of? Like... (laughs) Damon says, put your hero hair on, Stefan. Let's go get Elena. So that is the return of this saying. We're back to hero hair. Apparently, we're supposed to believe is like a saying that makes any semblance of sense. Yeah. Stefan says, you just said you don't know where she is. How are we going to go get her? Damon says, yeah, I don't know where Elena is, which means we're going to have to go find us some leverage. Come on. Pretty obvious who that leverage is going to be. Yeah. (laughs) We go to the lobby of the dorm at Whitmore. Aaron is sitting on a couch listening to music. Damon sits next to him, pops his headphone out and says, pop quiz. Aaron jumps because he shot this guy in the head. So he's confused. Damon says, so your girlfriend's taken by a mad scientist. Now do you A, get a new girlfriend, B, call the police or C, kill someone close to that mad scientist? Aaron doesn't answer. He attempts to run, which I can't fault him for, uh, but it is stupid. He runs right into Stefan and Stefan says, sit. (laughs) And Aaron's like, okay. We go back over to the Gilbert lab. Wes says into the tape recorder again, 4.1 pints drained. 83182 still shows signs of consciousness. Note that 15 years ago, subject 12144 faded into unconsciousness after losing 2.9 pints. Evolution or luck? Mystery for another day. Who are you doing this for? That's just not even what you study, bitch. He's just like me because I know he goes home at the end of the day and just listens to his own tape recorder the same way I watch my own Instagram story. <laughs> like, oh, I slayed today. He's like, haha, that was funny. Elena says, hey, what are you doing to me? What are these tubes? Let me go. You know, you know. And he says, oh, relax. I'm going to let you go once I'm through with you. And she says, my friends are going to find me. And he says, your heroic vampire friends. Yeah, those are the ones. Yeah, those are the ones I'm referring to. 
You got him. Wes says, did you know Aaron Whitmore spent his entire life thinking his family was haunted by some death curse? It was. He was right. Good observation skills, Aaron. He was correct. Wes says, turns out that curse was your boyfriend systematically killing every member on his family tree. I'm curious, how does one justify that in her mind? Okay, um, let's be totally, completely, honestly for real here, Wes. The Whitmores are not innocent. And it would be one thing if Damon, when he escaped, actually did shut down Augustine and these people were ancestors who weren't doing this. Yeah. Aaron's dad was actively still torturing vampires. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I justify it. He was still doing it. You guys are torturing people. It's not just science. Let's get to that. And I mean, to be fair, maybe Aaron's aunt wasn't aware of it. But based on like the kind of behavior we see with founders, I'm pretty sure Aaron's mom definitely knew about this. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they did. And so sorry to Aaron's aunt, maybe if she was innocent like Jenna. But most of the Whitmores who Damon killed were not like completely innocent ancestors. They were actively torturing vampires, too. And also not to get on this high horse, but it's been, you know, by the time Aaron's born or let's say by the time Aaron's father is born, it's been already like two, three generations of everybody being killed but the one. Maybe let's stick to one kid. Maybe let's just stop having kids. None of you worried about this? I mean, it's a pattern. Because we have to assume that Aaron's dad grew up, his whole family died, and he said, but I'm going to beat the odds. And I'm sure it's like, well, I'm going to have my, I'm going to build my own family, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you guys are getting greedy. <laughs> I'll just say that. Elena, though, she she eats here. Because he asks her how she justifies it. And she says, oh, and this, holding people against their will, torturing them? How do you justify that? Yeah, that was my exact argument before she said it. I was like, okay, we all do things that we can justify. Yeah. He says, science. Not really enough of an excuse because most of this research isn't going anywhere. I mean, again, Wes is at least doing something different with the research. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, even if science is the general justification, like, look, I've, I've worked a science job where it was very... Important disease ecology, we had to kill rats. I wasn't going in like, hell yeah, I get to kill a rat today. If you're like a, a scientist who's really going after the science, this should weigh on you a little bit, buddy. But instead, what he does to justify his actions is he reads from a journal. He says, June 25th, 1999. Incredible findings today. After enduring 3,000 volts of electricity, the subject continues to have a heartbeat. June 26th, more success. Subject was exposed to 4,000 volts today. Season continues after electrocution. Flesh remains hot to the touch. So both of the incredible findings were vampire blood healed them. We got it. <laughs> he was like, fun today. I got to completely shock a man. But then he came back to life. So even more fun. I got to shock him again with more volts. I love my job. Right. It, it's so funny because like vampire blood healing. Why are they doing this many tests? This is like the first thing that a vampire tells a new vampire. Oh, BTW, your blood will heal humans. Yeah. And they say, okay. Elena says, you're a monster. She fell right into his trap because Wes says, oh, you ready for this? You ready to be gagged, girly? This isn't my journal. This is the handwritten medical findings of Dr. Grayson Gilbert, your father. He said, and this is why you were too stupid to get into my class because you would know I don't write shit down. I have a tape recorder, bitch. <laughs> why would I write in a journal? I would play it. I would play the recording. <laughs> it's my podcast. <laughs> yeah. And of course it's fucking Grayson Gilbert. I said the man's trash. I'm not even a little bit surprised. She knew he was a founder. She knew he was a vampire hunter. Like, And I mean, she knew he was involved at Whitmore. Girly, if you didn't think he was torturing people, you were pretending. 
I get being in denial. You don't want to have to admit this about your father, who I'm sure you cared about. But, you know, the writing was on the wall here. We all met John. We saw how many fucking torture tools your dad had at his vacation home. Let's get there. Yeah, the vacation home. (laughs) Like, Imagine what he has at work. We all needed to be a little bit more realistic there, Elena. Yeah. She says, what? Wes says, everything I'm doing to you, I learned from him. Shocking. I know this is a gotcha because it's her dad, but it's also like, it's still bad that you're doing it. Like, I guess now I have to face the fact that my father was also doing bad things, but this doesn't justify what you're doing, really. Yeah, exactly. We go back over to Whitmore. Aaron is hanging out with Stefan and Damon. Aaron says, you know, I have no idea where Wes took her. And Stefan says, well, they're not at his lab. So where else could he hide a vampire? And then Aaron says, sorry, am I supposed to know who you are? (laughs) Damon says, that's my brother, Stefan. But I'd watch your tongue with him because he's kind of in the midst of a psychotic break. And Stefan says, oh, sorry, I'm what? Stefan says, excuse me? He says, you haven't brought up the safe at all. And all of a sudden you want to talk about my mental health? (laughs) Damon says, come on, you think I don't know about you and Catherine? And Stefan says, oh, I see. You're jealous. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call that a psychotic break. I think that's as sane as he's ever been. That's true. And it's a very low blow for Stefan to be like, you're jealous. Because Damon's obviously not jealous, but he just wants to punch him down. At this point, I'm like, guys, stop fighting with each other. Aaron's going to try to get away. Aaron's too stupid to get away. He's just listening. He's just watching. He wants to know more. <laughs> Me, I'd be trying to run every time they get distracted. Yeah, he's intrigued. Yeah. Damon says, you know, more like disturbed. See, he's off his rocker. He's losing his mind, teetering on the brink of insanity. Mind you, Aaron does not know who Catherine is. He doesn't realize the significance of this. He doesn't know what's insanity. He's like, oh, so you hooked up with a girl? Does she look like Elena? Because I get it. Because I get it. And also Stefan's like, yeah, I was teetering on the brink of insanity like three days ago. I'm good now. Yeah, not that you asked. (laughs) Not that you would know. So then Aaron switches the subject because he's got another pressing question. He turns to Damon and he says, how are you not dead because I shot you? Fair question. Damon says, because you went for the head. You got to go for the heart. Go for the heart next time. At first I was like, don't tell him this. But then I remembered, I don't think Aaron could successfully aim directly for the heart. At least not fast enough that someone couldn't snap his neck. Yeah, I think he he could in theory kill a vampire like this, but it'd be mostly luck. Mm -hmm. Damon says, now where's Elena? And Aaron says, I have no idea. All Wes told me was to go about my life as usual. Damon says, okay, well, then we're going to call Wes and you tell him that if he doesn't give us Elena, then the next experiment he conducts will be sewing your arms back on. And now this scares Aaron. Yeah, now this (laughs) scares Aaron straight. We go down to the Gilbert Clinic lab. Elena says, oh, this is my dad's clinic. A guess that Stephanie, you indeed made. But I was like, well, why would they not have occupied that space? Which is... A question I still have, but, you know, at least I said it, bitch. It's fire damaged. Yeah. That was my question when I made that guess of like, is it realistic that it's still there? You made the correct guess. You don't have to explain why you might have been wrong. It was right. Wes says it was your dad's clinic. And then your town council burned a whole bunch of vampires down here. Throw back to the season one finale. Who could forget when Mayor Lockwood got killed? And Anna. And Anna, of course. And Frederick and, you know, assorted other tomb vampires. But those are the big ones. Wes says, now it's just a condemned building in Mystic Falls where no one will find us. And I know this ends up not really being an issue, although it kind of does because he doesn't get his point across. If you're going to go to a condemned building anyway, why don't you go to one that like isn't connected by evidence? Maybe one that doesn't have your captor's last name on the window. Yeah, it feels like captives. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Captives last name on the window. Wes's phone rings and he says, "Okay, I have to take this. He goes outside. And Elena's like, what the fuck? (laughs) What do you mean you should take this? Elena tries to get loose, but of course she can't. 
Wes goes out to the street and he says, hey, Aaron. And Aaron says, do you have Elena? And Wes says, what's wrong? And Aaron says, um, so Stefan and Damon Salvatore are going to kill me unless you give them Elena. And Wes says, oh, that's actually not a problem at all, because actually Damon Salvatore is locked in an impenetrable and inescapable fortified cell. It's like, do you think that he would have brought it like he saw Damon in the cell? Do you think he would just be saying this? Yeah. Don't you think I know he was in that cell? Don't you think I'm calling because he's here? Also, again, Joe Goldberg from you, Wes is not. He does not have the setup down there. It's not the best cell. You know, Mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of cells on this show. This one, I mean, he did need a bullet to get out, but didn't take much more than that. This is the problem with the Augustine Society is they have legacies and they're recruiting smart people. Maybe let's recruit a contractor next generation. Hmm? Yeah. Let's recruit some people, some skilled trade workers. Let's recruit an engineer. Let's maybe stop letting so many legacies in. Yeah. And none of you can update the cell. So let's let's open up our recruits, please. Yeah. Even the Mystic Falls Founders Council has a more diverse group than this. Yeah. And they're literally just taking legacies. So <laughs> what is your guys' excuse? Aaron says, okay, well, actually, or Damon's in front of me, you know, imagining what my kidney would taste like. And Wes says, okay, fine. Meet me in my classroom. Once I see you're safe, tell them I'll give them Elena. And they hang up. Wes is like, oh my God, fine. Like, he's so pissed at Aaron for calling him about this. It's like, why couldn't you have just avoided these two? He's like, why did you get kidnapped, you dumb fuck? He's like, you're going to ruin my whole fucking day, you idiot. He's like, am I going to have to deal with you dying? Because I don't really want to forge another death certificate. And I certainly don't want to pay for a funeral. My hand is tired. I hate writing. (laughs) If only I could forge a death certificate via tape recorder. If only I could send a voice memo that says dead by suicide. (laughs) Wes goes back to the basement. He goes into a different room, though, where Enzo happens to be. He unhooks Enzo and he says, hey, Enzo, wake up. Enzo does wake up and Wes says, when was the last time you were out in civilization? Enzo doesn't answer. Enzo's like, why are you asking me? (laughs) How would I know? I don't have a calendar. You're the one who gets to go outside. I can't even tally on a wall anymore. You got me tied to this creepy bed. I can't even see the sunrise and sunset. You tell me. Wes injects Enzo with something. And Enzo says, what's that? And Wes says, an insurance policy guarantees you'll come back to me. I'm giving you the day off. You and Damon have some catching up to do. And he holds out a blood bag. So he is sending Enzo in his steed. We go out to the woods. Catherine is doing a handstand and Matt is holding her feet and he's got a stopwatch. So clearly she's like hired Matt as her like personal trainer. Yeah. She says, I don't hear you counting. And he says, okay, three, four, five, six. She falls down. He helps her up and he says, hey, good try. And she says, good try. That was horrible. She says, I'm paying you to make me hot again. Whip me into shape and prolong this death thing as long as possible. And Matt says, yeah, that'll happen. She's doing jumping jacks while he says that. And she says, what did you say? And he like is like, oh my God, she's mad that I you know made fun of her. And she said, no, seriously, what did you say? I didn't hear you. She's like, I can't hear anymore. <laughs> she says, oh my God, I'm going deaf. My entire body is falling apart. I can't breathe. Give me water. Yeah, now she's got, she's doing a panic attack too. Gives her some water and he says, hey, deep breaths. And then he says, you know, here's a question. If you're so anxious not to be dead, why don't you just have a vampire turn you? This is a fair question with the information he has. Yeah, she's like, obviously I tried that, but every time I ingest vampire blood, my body rejects it. As she's like standing up, her bones crack and she's like, oh my God. And then she sees someone in the distance, but she can't really see because her vision's blurry. (laughs) There is just nothing working right on her. She says, who is that? I can't see. And Matt says, it's Nadia. I told her you were here. And Catherine's like, ugh. She said, not her. (laughs) Nadia approaches and she's not in a great mood. 
She reads Catherine's suicide note. She says, Dear Nadia, sorry, I had to kill your boyfriend. It was the motherly thing to do. Suicide, however, not very motherly. And Catherine says, great. So Stefan gave you my suicide note. What's your point? And Nadia slaps her across the face. And Matt says, damn. <laughs> Nadia says, that's for trying to kill yourself without saying goodbye. Catherine's like, I did try to say goodbye. I left a note. Yeah. <laughs> we go back over to Whitmore. Stefan, Damon, and Aaron are walking across the quad. And Stefan says, hey. Do you two want to give me a little backstory on how you two know each other? Damon says Aaron is Aaron Whitmore, and he comes from a very long line of vampire-probing, blood-testing, organ-removing freaks called Augustine. And Stefan says, why do you know this? (laughs) And (laughs) Damon says, because I was their test subject in the 50s. And Stefan says, what do you mean test subject? Damon says, meaning I donated my body to science, except I was alive and it was against my will. And Stefan says, wait, hold on. How do I not know about this? Yeah, Stefan's like, this is a lot of information for me to just have never known. He's like, why are you acting like it's weird that I'm asking these questions? (laughs) Damon says, don't get all guilt-ridden. We were on the outs back then. And by the time it was over, it was over. And Aaron says, hey, why don't you finish the rest of the story? (laughs) Because it's not the important part. Yeah. Stefan says, "Uh, I don't recall saying you could talk. Did I say he could talk? Damon says, I don't remember anything. Stefan says, didn't think so. (laughs) Just bullying him. Yeah. (laughs) We go over to the Salvatore house. Nadia is sitting and Catherine has made herself a little green smoothie. And Nadia says, I get it now. If I was living here, I'd want to kill myself too. And Catherine says, okay, it was a moment of weakness. I'm over it. Yeah. She's like, I just attempted suicide once. Like, oh my God, let it I go. didn't die. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Nadia says, in a moment of weakness, you eat chocolate or kiss the wrong boy. You don't jump off a clock tower. She said, well, I'm built different. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine says, you see this? And it's your green smoothie. She says, this is raw kale. In what universe would I put this inside my body unless I actually wanted to live another day? She drinks it. So you have to wonder, is the smoothie just kale? (laughs) Just kale put in a juicer? That would taste horrible. I'm sure there's more in it. But I think it's, I mean, I'm sure it's a green juice that doesn't taste very good. Yeah. Because she wants to torture herself. Yeah. Nadia says, okay, what changed your mind about wanting to live another day? And Catherine says, it's not what, it's who. I ask you something? Absentee mother to mildly abusive daughter. Nadia says, I'm listening. And Catherine says, do you think after all the horrible things I've done, it would be possible to be forgiven? Now, Nadia thinks Catherine is asking about Nadia, but that's not what Catherine's asking about. And Nadia says, of course I do. That's actually why I'm here. I may have an idea that will keep you alive longer. And Catherine's like, oh shit, she thought I was talking about her but I'm going to go with it. Yeah, Catherine realizes the misunderstanding, but also she's like, kind of need some help. So she says, I'm listening. We go back over to the Gilbert Augustine lab. Elena comes to, she looks at the dialysis machine again. Now that I know what it is, I can call it that. (laughs) She looks at the stairs and she remembers a ball bouncing down the stairs again. And then we flash back to a little girl walking down the stairs, following a soccer ball down there. And we know it's Elena because she is wearing a mini Henley, mini flared jeans, and mini low-top Converse. She is mini Elena. They gave her the exact outfit. They said, there better not even be a damn question in your mind that that's Elena, bitch. Like, obviously, we could have all guessed it was Elena, but they said, no, you're going to see it. I wish they'd put a little red streak in her hair, too. One thing about Elena that's so funny is she picked that outfit at that age, and she said, this is my look, and I'm sticking to it. She said, I can't get better than this. And then she got to high school and she said, you know what? I will edit this a little. I will add a lace cami under the Henley. Mm-hmm. And then she became a vampire and she got more adventurous. But she found this look and she said, I've done it. I've perfected fashion. Yeah. Little Elena picks up the ball. She looks at some files because she doesn't come down to the basement a lot, we can assume. 
And then she hears some electric shocks and crackling. She looks at the door and she says, mm, not my business. She goes right back upstairs. Yeah, she says, that's weird. Anyway. Anyway, time to play soccer. I got a ball to kick. We go back to the present. And Elena says to Wes, hey, when did you meet my dad? And Wes says he worked with Augustine to turn vampire blood into a magical cure-all to fight disease, cure cancer, and save the world. Hey, newsflash, Grayson, you didn't have to turn it into anything. It was already that. You're done. And my other question is, then why were you shocking people? (laughs) Yeah. He wanted to create a magical cure-all. You did it. Honestly, if you talked to a vampire and you were like, hey, do you mind like donating some blood like once a month? They'd probably say yes if you could give them blood bags, which you could. Yeah, or if you could let them stay in the town undetected. That's a good deal. Yeah, but no, he said he's going to torture people. It is the same thing. It's so classic Gilbert that his goal was to, quote unquote, create a magical cure-all. You didn't create something, you found something. It's the same as Jonathan Gilbert getting that dumb little vampire watch. You didn't invent that. It was spelled. Someone needs to tell you guys what invent and create mean, because you clearly don't know. Yeah, someone needs to teach you the difference between invent and find. Find or steal. Yeah. You guys are idiots. Elena says, do you know if he ever brought a vampire down here? Wes doesn't answer this. Because he sure as hell did. Wes is like, that's a dumb question. Obviously he did. <laughs> Not even going to dignify that with a response. No wonder I wouldn't let you in my class. I just read you that passage from his journal. She says, you know, I remember coming down here as a kid. There was something about this place that always creeped me out. And he still doesn't answer. They're not having a conversation in his mind. She says, Wes, I saw Enzo when I woke up. I know he's alive. Where is he? This Wes does respond to. He says, oh, he's on a little day trip. Apparently he has some unresolved business with your boyfriend. And Elena says, what did you do? He says, I just told you I sent Enzo on a little day trip. Yeah, he's like, you just can't fucking listen. It's like, I know you don't have a lot of blood right now, but the least you can do is listen. <laughs> then we go over to Whitmore. They've made it into like the classroom buildings. And Damon says, okay, which one is it? And Aaron says, right here. And they go into a classroom. It's Wes's classroom. And Enzo is sitting in the back row, feet up. He's waiting. He says, 21051. And Damon says, Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> Enzo says, been a while, mate. And Stefan says, who the hell are you? <laughs> Enzo starts to come down the stairs. He says, Lorenzo, but my friends call me Enzo. Just kidding. I don't have any friends. Because he's been but he still up. wants to be called Enzo by everyone. He's like, Lorenzo's a stupid name with or without friends. <laughs> he puts his hand out and Stefan like looks between him and Damon. Damon says, Enzo's another Augustine vampire. Our cells were next to each other. And he says, so we're here to meet somebody. Wes Maxfield. You know him? And Enzo says, that's your first question for me. Not how are you? Not how'd you survive that fire I left you to die in? And then Aaron says, does somebody want to tell me what's going on here? Boy, if you don't stay quiet. Boy, sit down and let this play out. You probably could have snuck out the door while they were having this conversation if you were smart. Yeah, but no. Enzo says, I'd love to. Have a seat. I've been waiting 70 years to tell my story. Well, yeah, because who else is he going to talk to? (laughs) Probably never let him be next to another person after Damon. Exactly. They're not letting anybody work together anymore. We go back to the Grayson Gilbert Augustine Clinic. I love that it's a different name. I know. I don't know. I obviously can't decide what to call it. I do like Grayson Gilbert Augustine Clinic. When I was writing the notes for the episode, I kept calling it like lab slash clinic because I knew we didn't figure out. Well, at first I put lab slash office and then they call it clinic. And then later they refer to it as the clinic. So I wanted to like tell myself, but I didn't know if I wanted to call it Grayson's office. Anyway, I know I've been changing the name every time. But we know, I know what you mean every time. It's just funny. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm going to stick with the Grayson Gilbert Augustine Clinic, I guess, because it's more fun. Wes puts some tube in Elena and she says, oh, Enzo is the Augustine vampire. He killed my roommate Megan, didn't he? 
And I think you basically predicted that the Augustine vampire killed Megan, although you never once said that Enzo is the Augustine vampire, which actually is shocking. Wasn't going to get there. <laughs> I, I can tell you right now, I literally never considered that. And then he said it and I was like, oh, that's crazy. I never even got remotely in that headspace. I know. So, you know, some things just elude me. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Wes says, conserve your energy. I've drained enough blood to start phase two. She says, let me guess. You're not going to tell me what phase two is, are you? And he says, if it works, you'll be the first one to know. And this is just, again, I would be such a worse captive. I'd be spitting in his face. I'm being obnoxious. I'm not asking questions. He's not telling me shit. I'm just going to be annoying. But he is telling her shit. Yeah. So I guess maybe I would have lost in a way there. Yeah. She says, hey, why did Megan have a picture of my dad on her cell phone? And Wes says, maybe because her parents helped fund your father's projects. And Elena says, they knew about Augustine too? And he says, no. All they knew was your dad had an unregulated compound that could cure most injuries. And she says, vampire blood. He says, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. He didn't really invent anything, so. Yeah, gotta respect the hustle. Wes says, but as Megan grew up, she got suspicious. She enrolled at Whitmore, roomed with Dr. Gilbert's daughter, and went to a party at Whitmore House and put her nose where it didn't belong. And Elena says, she found Enzo in his cell. And Wes says, and being clueless to what a starving vampire will do around fresh human blood, I'm guessing she got too close. He says, so it's really not my fault at all. Yeah, he says, so sorry, she's such an idiot. She got too close. Maybe you should have been giving the guy some blood. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know, keep the cells locked up if there's going to be a college party there. Yeah. How was she able to get How did she get down there? She was in the party for like five minutes. Yeah. Remember, we remember she showed up, went in and died like two minutes later. Yeah. So whatever. Wes gets another call. He picks it up and he says, Aaron, because in his mind, Aaron's gotten away. Yeah. I don't know how he got that idea. Well, I guess he assumed that Enzo would just kill Damon and leave. Yeah. I think that was his hope. He, he underestimated how much Enzo wanted to talk to someone. Yeah. <laughs> he underestimated Enzo's need to give a monologue. <laughs> Wes says, Aaron. And Stefan says, where's Elena? And Wes says, who is this? And Stefan says, we have Aaron, and we're trying to decide how to kill him. And Wes says, funny, I have Elena, and I'm wondering how she'll function without her cerebral cortex. Touch him, and you'll never see her again. And Stefan says, that threat works both ways. Hangs up. Pretty much at a stalemate. They both know they have each other, so... Mm -hmm. Back at Whitmore, Enzo is talking to Damon and Aaron, and he says, Damon and I have been locked up in those cells for years, tortured, beaten, humiliated, but we weren't going to let them break us. No, we decided we were going to escape and needed to work together. We needed each other. Stefan returns. So he left in the middle of this story, even though he doesn't know it, and Damon does. Yeah, maybe Damon could have made that call. Although I think if I think if Damon left, Enzo would be like, you need to hear this again. Yeah. And Stefan, when he comes back in, he's like, totally like, I don't really need to hear Enzo's story. He says, yeah, uh, Wes isn't sending her. Enzo says, tragic. Can I continue my story now, please? He's like, I was in the middle of something. <laughs> and Damon says to Stefan, doesn't he know we have Aaron? And Stefan says, he does. Uh, he doesn't care. He's willing to risk it. And Aaron says, let me talk to him. He'll listen to me. And Damon says, what part of he doesn't care are you not registering? So that's ouch. <laughs> that's gotta hurt. Aaron's like, maybe he just doesn't know I'm here. Bitch, he knows. He heard. He's okay if you die. <laughs> Enzo has had just about enough of not getting attention. So he pulls a chair out of the floor and throws it out the window. He says, you guys are going to listen to me. He says, where were we? He says, oh, right. I was telling my story and you all were politely listening. And they're like, okay. <laughs> me at brunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me when I keep getting interrupted. 
<laughs> he says, so I'd given Damon my, all of my blood rations so he'd have the strength to escape and save me in the process. Our plan began perfectly, didn't it? And as Enzo is running down this recap, we see flashbacks from the last episode. We're familiar with what happened here. Enzo says, I was waiting in the cage for him to release me, waiting for my friend, my cellmate, the only soul with whom I'd connected in all those years of captivity. Then a fire starts. Burns out of control, but Damon just can't get the damn cage open. And that is fair to be pissed off about. Like, after all this planning, you just can't open the fucking cage? Yeah, this is the thing that's getting us. This is the thing that's throwing us off. The plan all worked up until you using a key. Like, what the hell? Enzo says he looks me in the eye as if he doesn't even recognize me, turns around and saves himself, leaving me to die. And Stefan says, well, you didn't die. (laughs) How soon he forgets the safe. (laughs) Enzo says, no, unfortunately, I lived. I was spared by one of the scientists so I could spend another 50 years on a table being opened and closed. Now that we've all been acquainted, I'm going to go find something to wet my whistle. He leaves. Stefan says, you didn't tell me about him. And Damon says, it was the 1950s. I'm supposed to remember every moment of my life. (laughs) Because he does not want to relive this because he feels deeply, deeply guilty for it. Yes, exactly. And then then Damon says, do you want to kill Aaron or should I? And Stefan says, this guy was your cellmate for five years. You left him to die. He comes back and you're completely unfazed. Damon says, fine, I'll kill Aaron. Aaron starts to freak out. Because he's like, hey. Feels like you guys might be killing me soon. He says, whoa, 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 hold on. Uh, Wes gave me a bunch of files on my family history. They're in my dorm, okay? Maybe there's something in there you need, like a name, another lab. Damon says, well, that's a timely revelation. And Aaron says, well, you know, he's not going to help me, so why should I help him? And Damon says, you know, I don't like you. I don't like your family. I don't like you messing with my relationship. And if you're lying, I'm going to take my thumbs and I'm going to gouge out your sad little eyes out of your sad little head. He does have sad little eyes, doesn't he? He sure does. <laughs> Enzo returns and says, ah, just to announce his return. He's got a bottle of bourbon and he says, it's frightening what you can find on campus these days. It's funny because when he says, I'm going to look for something to want my whistle, I assumed he was going to go get some blood. Oh, I assumed liquor for some reason. Well, you were right. So he has a bottle of bourbon and Stefan says, yeah, knock yourself out, King. We're going with plan B. And Enzo says, Damon's not. Enzo says, no, I'm talking to somebody today. Enzo says, Damon's staying right here. He knows all my secrets, so he knows how ornery I can get when I don't get my way. And Damon accepts this. Damon says to Stefan, call me if you find anything. Kill him if you don't. Stefan says, let's go. He and Aaron go. We go back over to the Salvatore house and check in with Catherine and Nadia. At this point, Catherine is putting bourbon in her green juice. She's given up. She's had it. She said, I've had enough. She says, you did not just propose spirit possession with a straight face. And Nadia says, you said my grandfather was a traveler, which means your father was a traveler. Therefore, you are a traveler. We just need to find one who can teach you how to do the passenger spell. So clearly what Nadia is suggesting is that Catherine become a passenger in someone's body. Mm -hmm. Catherine says, hang on. Okay, I'm hardly a traveler. My father banned us from doing traveler magic. He said it was the devil's work or something dramatic that terrified us. Then I became a vampire and I never thought about it again. Next, you didn't have to worry about it. (laughs) And Nadia says, but it's in your blood, which means you have the ability to keep living inside someone else's body. Gregor was a traveler. He put his spirit inside Matt so that even after his body died, he lived on. And Catherine says, yeah, he lived on in a bus, boy. (laughs) She says, good idea. Let's put my essence in some nobody. And then she says, the thing is, Stefan actually likes this body. And Nadia says, what are you talking about Stefan for? (laughs) Nadia's like, which one is Stefan? (laughs) I get them so confused. (laughs) Catherine says, Stefan and I may have rekindled an old flame last night. And Nadia says, oh, 
So when you asked me about forgiveness, you were asking about him, not me. Yeah, she gets there on her own. Yeah, she's like, that, that's on me for believing it was about me. She says, okay, that's more realistic with you. Yeah. Catherine says, look, maybe I don't want to die a sad, lonely 538-year-old. If I have to bow out, knowing Stefan still cares might not be the worst way to go. And Adia says, mm, no, actually, I've thought about it. You had it right the first time. Go kill yourself and see if anyone misses you. <laughs> she leaves. <laughs> and Catherine's like, okay, drama. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and go back over to Whitmore. Enzo is drinking by the window. He's talking to Damon. He says, what about cricket? That ever become a thing here? And Damon says, no. Damon said, no, that's boring as hell. And Enzo says, shame. Fun sport. Not that I can play. I took up drawing for a while. Of course, I had no pencil. So I'd just prick my finger and paint the cell wall with my blood. And you know, not to get on this high horse again, because it's not a good science experiment. But even when you keep animals for a science experiment, like you're supposed to give them enrichment. Yeah. Now for like a bird, that's a toilet paper roll. But, you know, you could give him some hobbies. And would it kill you to give him a wooden pencil? Wood only hurts him. Yeah. And if he's smart enough to get out with a pencil, then, like, you know, go find a dumber. Although I guess with a pencil, he could kill himself. Yeah. Well, then don't give him any wood. Give him a ballpoint pen, then. Yeah. Give him a quill. (laughs) You have a lot of options of things you can give him. Like, give him a beach ball. I mean, (laughs) give him a bam and, like, something to play with. Like, a tennis racket and a tennis ball so he can play, like, pickleball with himself. Like... It's just, it's really not asking. Watercolors. Give him a little cat tree. Like acrylic paint. Yeah. There's a lot of options here. Damon says, what do you want? You want me to feel guilty? I couldn't save you. Now where's Elena? And look, I kind of get why Damon's doing this. But Damon, it couldn't hurt you to just once say, I am sorry for leaving you behind. Yeah. I think it would go a long way. You could even say like, it was my option at the time, but just say, I apologize. Yeah. Couldn't hurt you. Just like, I wish I could have saved you. I couldn't. And I'm very glad you're alive. But I understand you're mad at me. Yeah. Instead of saying, you want me to feel guilty? Just say, I'm sorry. He does want you to feel guilty. Because it was kind of fucked up. That's not asking that much. Enzo grunts. And Damon says, what's wrong with you? And Enzo says, well, Wes injected me with a poison that'll stop my hurt. I'll desiccate if I don't return to him for the antidote. And Damon says, oh, perfect. All the more reason to tell me where he is. You get the antidote. I'll get my girlfriend. We'll kill Wes together. And Enzo says, did you even think about it after you left? The experiments, the cell? Or did you just go out and live your merry life to its fullest? Pretty much went out and lived his merry life to its fullest. I mean, he had a rough couple of years there, but... And he did think of it a little, you know, at least to kill the, the Whitmore family. Yeah. But, you know, he mostly tried to forget about it, which is not, like, the worst thing. Again, he could say that to Enzo, like... And he eventually reveals some part of it, but not all of it. Damon says, look at me. If you go back, we go back together. We finish this for good. Come on. He holds out his hand. Enzo takes it. And then he says, you're not going to see your girl again, Damon, because I want the antidote. And he like cracks his bones in his hand. And Enzo says, and Wes told me not to come back until you were dead. First of all, how's Wes going to fact check that? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think Wes is really on top of it as much as he seems. I'll just walk in and say, oh, yeah, Damon's dead. Antidote, please. Then it says to get cured. Just kidding. Just kidding. Now you're dead. (laughs) I guess he could ask to see his body, but you know. Enzo throws Damon out the window, outside. He lands on somebody's poor car. Yeah. And Enzo follows him out, which confirms that Enzo has a daylight ring. Just worth noting. Oh, yes. That's a good point. And we do kind of see a ring on him as well. Yeah, we see it's blue, like they're known to be. Yeah. Enzo says, I imagine you just broke your clavicle, probably a few lumbar and thoracic vertebrae. You know, it's funny what you learn about your body when it's taken apart like a bloody automobile right before your eyes. See, here's another thing. Give him a book on biology. Yeah. 
he might be helpful. Like, hey, that's this is the vertebrae that you cracked when you did that last experiment. And actually, you know what? It might be good for the other test subjects to see some upward motion in the ranks. Yeah, you got to give them hope. It's like the Hunger Games. Exactly. You just need to give enough hope. Yeah, most of you are going to die, but one will live. Mm-hmm. Damon says, I'm not going to fight you, Enzo. Enzo punches him. Enzo says, oh, what are you going to do then? Run? You're good at that. Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Damon grabs Enzo's fist and says, I want to find my girlfriend. And then he tosses him across the lawn. So I guess you are going to fight him. Yes, I guess you <laughs> were willing to fight after all. Enzo says, you know, while you were out running wild, I had one single thought, that I'd have the pleasure of killing you. Enzo grabs Damon's neck to choke him, but then Enzo starts to desiccate as the poison intends. Yeah, we see like black veins come up. Yeah. Damon says, Enzo, look at me. Enzo says, bloody poison, because he's British. <laughs> Damon says, where is he? Where's Elena? Tell me where she is. Enzo says, or what? You'll never see her again? Might be good for you to know what it's like to miss someone for the next 60 years. And you know what? Got to give it to Enzo. He sticks to his guns. He falls, passes out, desiccating without ever telling him where she is. He said, I would rather desiccate in the middle of the fucking grass than tell you where your yeah. girlfriend is. Didn't give you any satisfaction. Then we go over to Aaron's dorm. Stefan and Aaron are arriving. And Aaron says, all the files of my family history are in here. And Stefan says, hurry up. The way he talks, it's like, you're going to grab a gun, aren't you? <laughs> it's so obvious. And then Aaron goes to his suitcase and he does indeed grab the one gun he has. And now he knows to shoot for the heart. Unfortunately, Stefan's not a complete and total moron. So yeah. he runs before Aaron can shoot. So Aaron turns around and Stefan's gone. And Stefan sneaks up on him. And Aaron turns around. Stefan pushes Aaron against the wall by his neck and says, is this all a lie, huh? If you want me to kill you, I will kill you. Don't test me. And Aaron says, dude, I'm already dead. Damon's been planning my death since before I was born. This is a little bit premature because you would have to have a kid before Damon would kill you. Yeah. You just don't have a kid. But you don't seem like you like life enough to be a father anyway. I wouldn't want to see a kid raised by you. Yeah. <laughs> no offense. Stefan says, what? And Aaron says, Damon left out the best part of the Augustine story. It was the best part. You're right. It was. Uh, he <laughs> says the part after he escaped. Stefan lets his neck go and says, talk. And Aaron says, it wasn't enough for Damon to kill the doctors who tortured him. He had to torture their families and their future families. He spent the last 60 years killing every one of my relatives, except he's a psychopath. He leaves one alive so they can continue the family line, so he can destroy future generations of innocent people. Not completely innocent. He's definitely killing some culprits as well. Yeah. And answers, so go ahead and do it. Kill me, because I don't want to give Damon the satisfaction. So do it. And I get this attempt. And for Aaron's purposes, as far as he understands it, it works for him for now. Mm -hmm. But he knows very little about Stefan and Damon's relationship. And yes, they seem to be fighting a little bit. But does he think Stefan doesn't know that Damon's a psychopath? Yeah. And it's just funny because like, Aaron, do you assume that Stefan's not also a psychopath? And like, yeah, Stefan doesn't have all the information, but he did just learn that this family kept his brother captive for five years and medically experimented on him. He's probably going to tend a little more towards Damon's side regardless. Yeah. And if we know Stefan, he's probably like, that's a cool revenge plan. He's probably like, okay, yeah, I can see why that would be fucked up for you. But like, that seems fair. Yeah. Like that, that actually seems like the punishment fits the crime a little yeah. bit. But Stefan smartly kind of plays into Aaron's hand here because he wants the information. Mm -hmm. So he says, you know, not all of us are like my brother, which is just funny from Stefan because 
he is a ripper and in many ways worse than David. <laughs> yeah. He's like, not all of us are like my brother. Some of us are worse. Yeah. But that's not Aaron's business. Yeah. He doesn't need to know that today. And then Aaron opens his eyes because he was closing his eyes preparing for his death and says, Stefan, because Stefan looks like he's about to leave, but obviously Stefan's not really about to leave. He's just walking far enough to make it seem like it. This is everything Wes gave me on Augustine. And he picks up the files and he says, I saw Elena's last name on a few pages. Maybe it'll help. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. Stefan looks at the file. We go back to the Grayson Gilbert Augustine Clinic. I said it confidently that time. (laughs) We see another flashback. Little Elena is walking down the stairs. She's not in her Henley this time. She's wearing like a graphic tee, a cardigan, a skirt. Small cowboy boots, it appears. Horse girl era has started. Yeah. This is when she got the horse painting in her room. She's in the midst of her horse phase. She hears screams and rattling from her dad's office. And she says, hmm, that doesn't seem like something I should hear from a doctor's office. Certainly not the office in the basement. She says, isn't he like the town doctor? Doesn't he just do like checkups? And it's also like, you know, even if the one explanation for screaming is like giving birth, that's a grown man screaming. Yeah. Like it is unmistakable. She starts to walk to the door, but Grayson comes behind her and he's like, hey, and she's like, ah. And he says, you're not supposed to be down here. Basement's a kid-free zone, remember? Okay, serial killer. If it's a kid-free zone, why don't you put a lock on it, dumbass? Yeah. Why are you letting her down here? These people are just letting kids get into any of their cells. You lock the cell and you lock the room leading up to the cell. So guess what? If they get out of the cell, they're still locked in. Again, Joe from you knew this. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling these people, Joe from you, they should be recruiting him. <laughs> Stop with the scientists. You guys aren't doing any real science anyway. So let's just stop faking it. Just get someone who's good at keeping people captive. Yeah. If you get one pretty girl vampire, Joe's fine. Yeah. That'd actually be a good deal for him because then he could like deal with his drama downstairs and have a normal life upstairs. Yeah. It actually would kind of help society on the whole. Yeah, exactly. Net positive. Shay Mitchell would still be alive. Yeah. <laughs> As for Victoria Pedretti. Love Quinn. I didn't finish that season, but I know that I know the the end result. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I spoiled you for you, but it's been out long enough to all of our audience. And also, if you're listening to Doppelgangers, I assume you watched you. Yeah, <laughs> at least the first season. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's the same audience. Yeah, the Penn Badgley Paul Wesley fan crowd has to overlap significantly. Yeah, majorly. Elena says to her dad, "Oh well, here's the thing. I heard someone screaming." And he says, oh, it's okay. Everything's fine. In fact, today's a good day, Elena. She says, why? He says, we're doing 5,000 volts. He doesn't say that. (laughs) He says, I just made a groundbreaking discovery. Vampire blood heals people. I make that discovery every day, but every day it feels just as good. But every day it surprises me. (laughs) He says, daddy's going to save a little girl's life. She's just about the same age as you. Pretty cool, huh? Another reason it's weird to hear a grown man scream. Yeah. She's like, oh, cool. So what's with the screaming guy then if you're saving a little girl's life? Because shouldn't he be happy? Grayson Gilbert, a creepy, creepy man. He says, all right, get out of here. Doctor's orders. She says, okay, dad. He says, get out of here, you little bitch. (laughs) We go back to the present and Wes says, good news. The sample cells mutated. My compound worked. She says, I don't follow. You kicked me out of bio, remember? It's an iconic line from her. He says, you've heard of Pavlov? He conditioned his dog to salivate at the sound of a bell. This compound is like that bell, except instead of a ding, your body will salivate at the smell of vampire blood. This analogy barely holds up because is the compound of the bell or is the vampire blood the bell? (laughs) 
it's more just like you're giving them a taste for vampire blood. Like kind of Pavlov, but that was more psychological conditioning. This is yeah. not that's like exactly. the poster child for psychological conditioning. This isn't really biology. Yeah. It's the vampires they're gonna mix sciences, but it's like mm, not really the right class. And it's not quite yeah, it's not quite Pavlov, but I get what he's doing, whatever. He's always, you know, a little off in the way he describes things. I don't think he's as brilliant as he says he is. <laughs> Let's just say that. As I've said. Yeah. Olena says, Oh my god, that's what you did to Jesse. Yeah, no, duh. He told you that. She says, you turned him into some rabid vampire who only wanted to feed on other vampires. And Wes says, Jesse was a fantastic case study, but he took too long to condition. And considering the size of the vampire population, a single dose injection is much more efficient. Again, Wes Maxfield, unequivocally a bad guy. But he's making strides in his experiments. Yeah, I mean, he's he's at least done something new. This is smarter than any of the other people who are hunting vampires have been before, because usually they're just like, we'll just hunt them all. This is a pretty smart way to get rid of vampires. Yeah, this is a much better approach. It is very smart because it should be quick and relatively easy. And hands off. Yeah, but I'm still not rooting for him. Yeah, I'm not rooting for him, but... (laughs) But he's, he's made the best strides we've seen thus far. I respect the hustle. I respect the work. Mm -hmm. Elena says, yeah, but... He couldn't stop feeding. He tried to kill Damon. She's like, it wasn't a success because he couldn't stop feeding. And it's like, like that's the idea, girl. That actually was was a good thing. Wes says, yeah, exactly. Vampires are now one shot away from craving their own kind. And you're about to be patient zero. Jesse was kind of patient zero. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't work, so that one doesn't count. Yeah. She says, what? No, you can't do that. You'll turn me into a ripper. And he says, I know. Because that's literally the point, Queen, which is so funny because he's like, Grace and Gilbert would hate you because you're a vampire. And now you're going to be an even more destructive vampire. Says, now I'm going to make you worse. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, instead of just injecting her, which he could have totally done, he takes his damn tape recorder and he says, subject 83182 prepped for compound injection. And Elena says, please, no, you can't do this to me. And he says, actually, you'll be doing the world a favor, Elena. I might not be able to kill vampires, but you will. She says, no. He puts the needle into her heart, but does not push the thingy. I don't know the word for it. I don't know the word either. But push the, the thingy plunger. to put the solution. Yeah. Yeah. The needle's in, but he hasn't given her the shot. Yeah. We hear Stefan say, Elena. She says, Stefan. She headbutts Wes, knocks him out. Wes, you dumbass. You gotta restrain the neck, too. Useful lesson. Stefan gets downstairs. He says, oh my God. He spots Wes and he spots the needle on the ground. We can see that the solution is still in the needle. So she mm-hmm. was not actually infected with this compound. He lets Elena out. He says, come here. You're okay. You're okay. You- I got you. And he holds her. He helps her get out and she grabs a file on the way out or Grayson's journal. Maybe grab the compound to dump it down the sink, but that's me. Maybe burn the whole building down, honestly, while we're here. Yeah. So I've been burned once. What are you going to do? Fire damage it? What are the arson investigators in this town going to do? Catch Elena? Clearly not. (laughs) (laughs) Then we go out to the patio of the Mystic Grill. Nadia is sitting and Matt comes out to bust the tables and he spots her. And he's like, look, we're closing. So, and she says, we met on the little patio like this, remember? And he's like, don't remind me. (laughs) He said, please. He says, twinkly lights, music. That was a fun night. He's like, yeah, then you robbed me. He says, I'd kind of rather just put us behind us. And she says, fine, we'll do. Like, she's all upset that he's mad at her. Yeah, like, you don't even like him. 
And then she says, but I need you to hold on to this for me. It's the knife that we saw before that kills passengers. He says, the traveler's knife? No way. I just got rid of that thing. Boy, it cannot hurt to have that in your possession. Yeah. You got possessed once. Especially because you are a popular one to possess because you can't die. Yeah. Nadia says, it's not about you. I'm leaving Mystic Falls and I need to know it's safe. Matt says, why? And why do people want it? Nadia says, I thought I could convince Catherine to live a little longer. I was wrong. But if she changes her mind, she will need this. That's all you need to know. And Matt says, yeah, she won't because Catherine cares about Catherine and only Catherine. If she doesn't want something, then she won't do it. Nadia starts to cry. And she says, I spent 500 years searching for her. And then I find her only to lose her all over again. I don't know if I should hate her for giving up or be at her side when she dies. And Matt says, listen, I get the whole crappy parent thing, okay? My mom kind of sucked. She was selfish. She drank too much. Never really thought about how it would, how it would affect me. Fair enough. <laughs> she was kind of giving Catherine. Yeah, his mom was not uh, the best. She did make him pay all the bills. <laughs> Nadia says, then you know what it's like to hold on to the hope that maybe, just once, she'll do what you want. And then Matt touches her hand and he says, okay, if she changes her mind, the knife will be with me. Whatever. Then we go over to the lab at Whitmore. Enzo comes to, he wakes up, and Damon's there. And Damon says, oh, never mind. And Enzo says, what did you do now? Damon says, well, I injected you with a bunch of these that say antidote, and apparently one of them worked. Fair enough. Why not? There's a bunch of shit in here. (laughs) Enzo says, if this is some attempt to make amends, it's a bit pathetic, mate. He's British. (laughs) In case we forgot. (laughs) Damon says, I don't care about amends, mate. He's not British. Yeah, he's not British. (laughs) He's saying it condescendingly. (laughs) He says, my girlfriend is safe, so technically I'm not suffering, and it would really suck if you desiccated in vain. Enzo vampire runs over to Damon, uh, you know, we can assume to fight, but Damon grabs his heart. That sucks. Very emasculating. (laughs) Damon says, and I'm going to tell you my side of the story. You asked me if I thought about you after I escaped, and the answer is no. And I sure as hell didn't feel guilty about leaving you because in order for me to save myself and leave you, I had to shut off my humanity. So I flipped the switch and then I felt nothing. No remorse, no regret, no pain. And Enzo says... Okay, well, now do you feel remorse, regret, or pain? Yeah, like, did that catch up to you when you turned your humanity back on, bitch? Yeah, like, can you just say sorry? And then, even though he hasn't said sorry, Enzo says, you know what? Even if I did forgive you, Damon, it wouldn't make you less of a horrible person. That's Damon's number one fear. Yeah, that's why he's not asking for forgiveness, because he's, one, scared he won't get it, and two, knows that, like, it doesn't change what he did. He doesn't want to hear that he's a bad person, because that's his biggest insecurity. Damon says, we're even, Enzo, and lets his heart go. You are not even. Yeah, even is reaching. I mean, it was nice of you to make it so he can get out of the situation, but it is about 50 years too late. Yeah. Enzo says, you were the most important person in my life, and you ruined me. But that's just who you are, and it's who you'll always be. A monster. And he leaves. And this is a testament to how close they really were, because Enzo knows exactly how to ruin Damon's entire sense of self-worth. Yeah, this got right down to him. This is what he worries he's going to do to Elena. Yeah. Is do something so bad that he turns her this against him. Yeah, and that she would act like this and say, like, there's no way I can ever forgive you. Yeah. You're a horrible person and you'll always be a horrible person. Yeah. He doesn't need anyone else saying that. Because he also has this fear that, like, you know, Stefan has by and large forgiven me, but that's because he's my brother and he has to. And Stefan's also done horrible things. Yeah, and he's done plenty to me that it's even, but I am just ruining other ruining other people's lives. Mm-hmm. 
We go back over to the Salvatore house. Damon joins Elena by the fire. She's reading the journal she took from the Gracing Gilbert Augustine Clinic. Elena says, it's weird. You know, even as a kid, there was something about that basement that creeped me out. I mean, it was the basement of a doctor's office. Like, you didn't really have a deep feeling about it. Like, objectively, that's a creepy place. Basements are just creepy, girl. <laughs> it's yeah. not that deep. <laughs> and Damon says, are you sure you want to give yourself nightmares reading that thing? And she says, you know, I remember my dad talking about this little girl. I think he was talking about my roommate, Megan. Look. And then she reads, January 1999. Saw Megan King today. Megan is seven years old. She suffers from a congenital heart defect with a life expectancy of two months. A single injection of vampire blood appears to be an effective life-saving solution. That's why Megan had a pic of my dad in her phone. He saved her life. And Damon says, 100 pages of horrific torture and you find the one happy passage? Yeah. And she says, my dad used his research to save people, Damon. Children. Families. Again, I have to say then what is with all the electric shock therapy? Because Meredith Fell was doing the exact same shit healing people and she didn't have to do the torture. Yeah. You know, the way that they all research, they all seem to have a different type of torture. They do. That's just how you like torturing people. Yeah. And it's funny because I seem to remember Elena being on quite a high horse about Meredith Fell using vampire blood without consent. Mm-hmm. And now look mm-hmm. at this. Her dad's a hero for doing it, even though he's also torturing people. I just need these people to respect Meredith Fell a little bit more. Yeah. I was going to say one thing that brings me a lot of joy is knowing Grayson is fucking rolling in his grave because he's one of the people who was like, let's give people vampire b- blood to cure them. And that's exactly what turned Elena into a vampire. Mm-hmm. That is his fault, bitch. I love that. I love that he lost in that way. I love <laughs> to see the universe beat Grayson Gilbert down. Damon says, yeah, he might have saved people, but he also dissected vampires along the way. Like, newsflash, Elena, you're a vampire. I mean, do you honestly think he would sit here and see you as anything more? And he's right, but he could be a little bit more delicate. I don't know. I think it's it's hard with this because he's he's explained this torture part. She experienced a small portion of that torture. And he's kind of like, why do I need to listen to you defend your father about this? Like, I don't know why you're surprised. Which, like... Of course, she was in denial and she has to get through it. But I understand Damon being like, you need to wake up. Like, this is not shocking. Your dad was not a good guy. Like, he would not like you. John Gilbert barely liked you. Yeah. And you weren't a vampire then. If you were a vampire, John Gilbert would not have come around. He would have never given you a chance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She says, well, I don't know. He's my dad. I can't not defend him. And Damon says, I know you can't because you do it for me all the time. And so this is the argument he really wants to get in. Because it's not really about her defending her dad or whatever. Because her defending her dad is her defending someone that Damon sees as unforgivable. And then he right now also thinks he's unforgivable. So he's like, now you're just defending unforgivable people. It makes you worse. Well, and I think he feels like he's taken advantage of her in a way that she is like, that she's capable of forgiving him and forgiving her father. That he's like, what have I done that made it that you feel like you need to forgive this person who did something horrible? Like- Mm-hmm. And if you have no issue with that, then you having no issue with me is not necessarily a sign that I'm a good person. Yeah. It's just a sign that I'm taking advantage of your goodwill. Mm-hmm. Elena says, I'm not defending you. I'm not defending your decision to kill Aaron's entire family, to go out of town to kill his aunt while we were still together. To be fair, you didn't even know Aaron when he did that. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. We've talked enough about how the Whitmore's kind of deserve that. Yeah, I don't feel bad for any of them. Yeah. Damon says, so why are you still here? I'm bad, Elena. I'm bad for you. 
He's doing his classic monologue. We're going to do this again and again and again. <laughs> Damon says, why wouldn't you have run away from me as far as humanly possible? She says, well, I burned my house down. She said, well, I don't really have another place to live. And I can't really go back to my last boyfriend since I did, you know, dump him and then immediately make out with you. So I kind of think that bridge is a little burned. And he also lives here. <laughs> and my brother needs a place to live as well. Yeah. Elena says, because I love you, Damon, because I chose you and I stand by my choice. And Damon says, well, I'm choosing. I'm choosing to let you go. So he's white banging her. She says, no. And he says, I'm choosing to not have to think about how you must feel every time some ghost from my past comes into our life. I'm choosing to relieve you of having to defend me for every awful thing I've ever done. And she's like, hey, stop acting like I'm perfect, Damon. I've done terrible things, too. You think I'm going to stand here and judge you after I found out you've been tortured for five years? Though she was standing there and judging him, but she's circling (laughs) it back. Yeah, she's coming around on it. And then he says, stop defending me, which it's like he said it right to Stephanie. He's like, you need to stop being okay with how many people I'm killing. Yeah. And I'm like, it's good. You know what you have to do, buddy. It's cool by me, kidding. (laughs) You won't hear a lip from me. You got it. He says, I won't change who I am. I can't, but I refuse to change you. We're too late on on both those fronts there, King, because you've already changed who you are and you've already changed her. We're past the time. And the whole point of growing is changing. Mm -hmm. Like you already are in a place now where like, would you have left Enzo in the same way? Probably not. Like there's so many things you've already done to change. Like there's no point in trying to stop the train now. Yeah, exactly. He leaves. She cries. So this is our first Delena breakup. How long do you think they'll be broken up for? An episode, maybe. (laughs) This is not going to stick because, you know, this is Damon's classic thing. And it may be like Damon is like, no, don't talk to me. But they're like still dating in my mind. Like, yeah, this is not really a breakup. It is breakup adjacent. Yeah. But but you don't think it's going to stick at all. It's not sticking. Because clearly Damon is just feeling his guilt and pushing people away. So he doesn't have to feel that guilt. He's doing it with Enzo. He's doing it with Elena. Oldest trick in the book. The same old story, buddy. We see right through it. Yeah. We go upstairs. Catherine is looking in the mirror at her wrinkles. She's stuffed all her hair into a beret. Looking very chic. Stefan comes in and he says, "Uh, can I come in? Or are you going to freak out and run away again? She says, I'm getting wrinkles. She said, I'm good. I have a hat on right now. (laughs) Um, He says, wow. Catherine Pierce's chickens come home to roost in the form of wrinkles. Kind of brilliant. She says, what's the opposite of funny? Oh, right. Not funny. She's got him. <laughs> yeah. Stefan says, so what are you doing in my room? And she says, I want to talk about last night. And he says, okay. And she says, so talk. Because she wants him to talk first. Yeah. She's like, so are you in love with me or what? He says, well, it was a long day. We had a moment and we got swept up in it. And she says, did you memorize that from a textbook or something? And he says, Catherine, what do you expect? You want me to just forget everything that you've put me through for the past 147 years? And she says, I'm dying, Stefan. She says, I mean, I was hoping. He says, I know you are, and I'm sure you will figure a way out of it. She's like, I'm not. (laughs) She says, no, I mean, like, it's for real this time. She takes the beret off, revealing all her gray hair. And she says, look, look at me. I'm dying. Well, it's so funny because like, yes, she has gray hair, but it's still mostly brown. Yeah. And she still looks pretty young. It's like, like it's not that big of a reveal. Yeah. <laughs> she says, what does someone have to go through to get a little redemption around here? Well, girl, you kind of have to stop killing all these people. You do kind of have to like make amends a little bit, like at least attempt. She's like, I'm dying. 
can't I be redeemed? <laughs> and they're like, no, you haven't even apologized. I mean, you can be redeemed, but like you do have to put some work into it. She's like, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> that can't be right. Stefan says 147 years is a long time to forgive in one night. And she says, one night, an eternity. You'd never look at me the way you look at Elena, would you? And he said, girl, I hope that's rhetorical. He said, <laughs> do you really want me to answer that? He says, girl, I think you know the answer. <laughs> he doesn't answer the question, but she gets it. And she says, good night, Stefan. And she starts to leave. She's facing the door. He's facing inside. So they're facing away from each other. But he says, hey, he grabs her hand. And he says, I'm sorry that you're dying. And then she closes her hand around his hand. And she says, trust me, I am too. And she leaves. This got me emotional, I'll tell you. It's sad. It does feel like, we'll talk about Catherine's death as a greater picture later. But it does feel like for the first time that Catherine's death is actually imminent in this scene. Yeah. Feels like we're prepping for it. Mm -hmm. Which I'll say is if they're giving us too much prep. They're prepping us for the opposite of what's going to happen. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. We go back over to the Grace and Gilbert Augustine Clinic. Aaron arrives. He runs downstairs and he finds Wes still passed out. Madeline hit him. <laughs> no, nobody wants to work these days. <laughs> he says, Wes. And Wes wakes up and he's like, oh, Aaron. And Aaron says, what the hell is this place? Wes wakes up. He's like, damn, I thought you were going to be dead. And I have to feed you again. <laughs> God, I wanted that trust for myself. <laughs> Wes says, this is one of Augustine's research labs. Which makes me, okay, so I know I'm reading too deep into this, but it makes me giggle knowing that this office was an Augustine research lab. I've chosen to believe that John Gilbert really wanted to join Augustine, but was rejected. And then he burned this building down with the vampires. He said, fuck that Augustine place. (laughs) One less lab. (laughs) This is my fan fiction that I'm writing about John Gilbert's life. I believe that. Because you know, John Gilbert crashed a couple Augustine parties to try to get in. And couldn't do it. You know, John Gilbert went to the door and said, Gilbert. And they said, first name. And he said, come <laughs> on, Gilbert's on the list. And they're like, we know you're not Grayson. It's like when he like crashed the Founders Council party and they let him in. He was like, finally, a council is going to let me in the goddamn door. Yeah. Aaron says, do you really think you're helping people with this vampire crap? You sold me out. You used my life as a bargaining chip. And Wes is like, I mean, I did. Wes says, I can see why you're upset. But like, what do you want me to do? Well, like, you are a bargaining chip to me. Like, who's going to call about you? You don't have any family. (laughs) Exactly. It would actually be pretty easy for me if you died. Aaron tosses Wes aside, so he hits the ground again. And then he sees the needle that has the ripper compound in it. And he picks it up and takes it, even though he has no idea what it is. Wes says, Aaron, I'm sorry. And Aaron says, I never want to see you again. Get the hell out of my life. And Wes says, Aaron, but he can't get up because he's still hurt. He can't catch him before Aaron gets out. So Aaron leaves. So we just can't keep a hold of anybody today. Yeah. Back at the Salvatore house, Elena is by the fire. She hugs her dad's medical journal. And then she throws it in the fire. Because if she loves to do one thing, it's burn things. Yeah, it's burn a diary. (laughs) Catherine is coming downstairs. She's got a bag and she's on the phone. And she says, so do we have a deal? You'll find me a traveler that will teach me how to do the spell. We find out she's on the phone with Nadia in a car. Nadia says, I guess this means you want to live. And Catherine says, I'm a survivor. Staying alive is my specialty. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Nadia says, assuming, of course, it's on your terms. Clearly, Stefan inspired some profound thinking. Catherine says, I think Stefan believes a part of me can still be redeemed. Stefan believes a part of everyone can be redeemed. It wasn't like a personal Catherine thing. (laughs) But she read into it. Good for her. Let her fight to live another day. Yeah. Nadia says, 
And what do you think? Is he right? Catherine doesn't answer that because she drops her bag. She feels something in her arm. And then she grabs her heart. Yes, notable to her left arm and she's grabbing her heart. Which we know that when women get heart attacks, it is like tingliness in their left arm. No, that's actually, you You think you, you thought you beat me to this fun fact. <laughs> so a heart attack symptom for a man is left pain in the left arm and, you know, feeling your heart tense up. For women, it's basically nausea. You don't get the left arm pain for a heart attack when you're a woman. Well, but this is a better use for storytelling. This, yeah, this is a better use for storytelling. It happens on TV a lot because it's an obvious way to recognize a heart attack. But that's a fun fact I learned that always stresses me out because then now I'm just nauseous. And I'm like, mm, maybe. Could be a heart attack. <laughs> there, there's so many sicknesses that the sign is just nausea. Not to make up. anybody anxious, but I mean, it'd, it'd be worse nausea than normal. And it usually comes with chest tightness in women as well, but... I think about it every time I see a heart attack on TV now. Thank you, Dr. Stephanie. So Catherine grabs her heart. <laughs> she falls down the stairs. Nadia says Catherine, and Catherine lands on a landing. And she looks pretty dead. She's not breathing. And that's where we end the episode. So the first question, of course, is Catherine dead? No. Will she soon be? No. Elaborate. So, I mean, a heart attack is a heart attack. You can get out of that a million ways. So I don't think this necessarily killed her. I do think this traveler path makes a lot of sense. And I think there is, you know, potential for, like, they kind of want Catherine to be less of a main character and getting her in a different body is one way to, you know, switch her up, give Nina a break. Also, because I just think, I don't know, there's this combination of old age being like a crazy thing for Catherine to die of because she's so iconic and it also being the juxtaposition of that being interesting you know that like part of me is like well they'd never kill Catherine this way but then part of me is like well how else would they kill her that would live up to like what we expect Mm -hmm. so I don't think it's impossible that she could die I believe that she will continue to survive whether it's through the traveler spell or something else and I think there is potential with this next chapter that we get more into traveler details, like it's the traveler chapter. And if that is the case, then that if it is the traveler chapter, then I'd be more inclined to believe that Catherine will make it out of this somehow. So do you think Catherine, like the most likely way for Catherine to live, which you believe she will be living, mm-hmm. is that she learns the passenger spell and becomes a passenger in someone's body? Mm-hmm. Whose body do you think she will become a passenger for? Do you think she's going to have any volunteers? Or do you think they're just going to have to find someone? I will throw out a guess that I was thinking during this episode that I think is a big swing. Okay. But I've been thinking about how we can get Bonnie to use magic again. And if we can connect the travelers, because travelers use some kind of magic to Bonnie, this may help bring Bonnie, you know, more solid footing on this side. So I do think there's a possibility that it's Bonnie. Okay. Do you think Bonnie's going to be on board for that? Or do you think they're going to have to like, you think Catherine's going to basically trick her into it? I think Catherine would be more likely to trick her into it, but I think... It also depends what kind of side effects are from this traveler spell. And there might be a benefit for Bonnie of, you know, having access to magic again or being maybe it kind of frees her as being the anchor of the other side in some way. So that's my thought. Interesting. I think the other option is it's just kind of a random hot girl. Sure. Next question. This is the end of our Augustine chapter. You said you think next will be the traveler chapter. This brings us, you know, at this point, we're almost halfway through the season because seasons are 22 episodes. That was the end of episode 10. 
So what do you think we're going to be doing for the rest of the season now that we've gotten through the doppelganger and Augustine chapters? I mean, I think we're going to deal with this Catherine aging thing. That's obviously a main storyline moving forward. But I think we also have to consider how we're integrating Enzo into this group. Because not only do I believe he's long, around for a long time, but also who else is he going to hang out with? It's unlikely he knows anyone. I was going to ask you, and we can work into this answer as well. How do you think Enzo's going to, you know, mesh with the group? What role does he play? Like, what's the what's the gig with Enzo, do we think? I mean, I think he... I know we talked about it last week, too. Yeah, but, but I think he fits, and I may have said this last week, I know you like brought it up last week, that I do think he fits kind of in this Alaric space because, you know, Damon's friend. And mm-hmm. I do think he has a potential to kind of improve Damon. That's not the right word, but like kind of give Damon someone to talk to about things because right now Damon really only has Elena and Stefan and he doesn't really want to talk to Stefan about things because he feels guilty and he doesn't want to change Elena because he feels guilty. So I feel like Enzo fits in a good space of being able to kind of smooth Damon's relations with other people because we've also continually seen Caroline being anti-Damon that hasn't shifted at all and there may be some goodwill for him to build up with Caroline that Enzo could help with. The other thing I'll throw out for the, you know, rest of the season is both Wes and Aaron are alive. In They're this still case, kicking. Yeah. In this situation. So I do think we have to pay attention to the fact that they'll be around. I mean, I think Wes, you know, is still going to be trying to get this compound out into the mix. He feels very confident in it. And Aaron has this compound and he doesn't know what it does. Yeah, let's talk about the Chekhov's syringe. Aaron's got this syringe he picked up off the floor. (laughs) What do you think he's going to do with it? Do you think it's going to end up in one of our heroes? Do you think he's going to inject it in himself? Do you think he's going to inject it in Wes? Like, what do we think is going to happen with this compound, if anything? I thought he was going to inject it in Wes at the end of this episode, even though he has no idea what it is. I think maybe he assumes it's like a vampire weapon. So maybe he's going to hold on to it in case he like gets kidnapped again because he clearly doesn't trust himself to shoot any of them. Yeah, nor should he. I don't see this compound getting into any of their systems without some sort of antidote. Okay. Because I just think if they gave Stefan this compound, that would be so fucking mean (laughs) because he's already a ripper. Like he doesn't need to be a ripper of vampires too. Yeah. Like give him a break. Give him a break. Don't give him this. Elena does not have the goodwill to overcome it or the willpower to overcome it. Mm -hmm. Damon or Enzo maybe could get around it, being able to kind of overcome that craving in some way. But I just don't really see, or or Caroline as well could probably overcome the craving. Um, But I don't see that. I mean, I think that's probably something that could happen, but I think it would just be. You don't foresee this being a long-term problem. Yes, yes. That's a better way to put it. I think it would be dumb for Aaron to inject himself with it, but I kind of think he might. And I also think Aaron, you know, he is jostling about vampires. He's jostling about Augustine. He's kind of like a free agent in terms of which side he's on. And he's pretty anti-West at the moment. He feels like he's going to die regardless because of Damon's whole plan. I don't think it's crazy that he would try to become a vampire or accidentally become a vampire. And I think this, if he just takes the syringe, shoots it to see what happens, and then becomes a vampire, kind of how long does that compound stay in the system? I think that's a possibility that we see Aaron become this kind of vampire ripper. Sure. Do you think if he injected himself with the compound while he was a human, 
he would want vampire blood or do you think it would have a different effect on a human? Oh, that's a good question. Since he doesn't want blood, there's no baseline. So yeah, because, well, maybe it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, how humans need water to live. This makes it like it's Diet Coke. <laughs> he just wants like cranberry juice. Yeah, it's like something weird. Or it's like his own pee. Like He just like all of a sudden hates the taste of cilantro. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, fuck, I got the soap gene now. <laughs> He's like, that, that needle gave me the soap gene. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I don't know what would happen. if I assume if it goes into a human, nothing happens mm-hmm, fair enough. on its own. That would make uh, Wes a kind of smarter scientist. Yeah, but, but or it could just be something that makes him really sick. And then he gets vampire blood to cure himself and then bada bing, bada boom. I'm going my same path that I took long, long ago that has never been right. That Jeremy looked so depressed he had to turn into a vampire. Never happened. It's Aaron's turn. No one with eyes that sad should be a human. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.